And I want you to open your Bible to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. I began a series last week called Communion Revival. And this is what I believe the Lord is doing in this day and age. I will uh, make mention just as you get your Bibles opened and even on the Bible app, we do have the notes there as well. I'm doing a series on Thursday nights on the supernatural. I got people all stirred up um, talking about demons this last week, and uh, we'll stay on that. I'm going to talk about angels this Thursday night. Uh, you know, there's things that we believe that are right and, and some things that we believe that are wrong. Um, let me, so let me just throw this out there just as kind of a, a feeler for you. How many of you think the Bible has something to say? The Bible has something to say about guardian angels. You believe in guardian angels? Yeah, the Bible actually does. I'm going to talk about guardian angels. The Bible does talk about, about that. Um, I'm, a, I'm not going to ask you, but how many of you, don't raise your hand, have heard somebody say, somebody died. Oh, an angel gained their wings. Not in the Bible. Not in the Bible. What I will be talking about is who are angels? What do they do? What are the different ranks of angels? And so it's going to be very fun. That's Thursday nights, uh, 7 o'clock. I hope you'll join us. Revelation 5, are you there? Okay, this is what it says. I saw in the right hand of him, this is God, who sat on the throne, a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? No one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because there was no one found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. Pause right there. Just hold your finger. I will pick it up. This is essentially, you have to understand, the Jeremiah, Isaiah, there's a number of places in Scripture where it describes what a title deed looks like. And what they would do is they would detail, it's this much property, it's this uh, inheritance, it's this and this. And then they would roll it up and they would seal it. And on the outside of the document, they would write, here's the cost, here's what it is, you know, here's what's required to open the seal. So that's how a house purchase went. And if you had paid the price to acquire a property, then you had the right to break the seal. You could rewrite the contract, put your name on the title deed, and seal it again for a future date that you might want to save. Say, uh, sell it. So essentially what we're dealing with here is Jesus has paid the price to redeem the whole world. We understand as born-again believers, he paid the price for us. And the moment we come to him in faith, we are cleansed. We are brought near by the blood of Jesus. We have been redeemed. Tell your neighbor, you've been redeemed. Now, Jesus has also paid the price for the world to be redeemed, but he's not cashed in on it yet. He's paid the price, but the scroll has not yet been opened. He has not yet brought the world back to himself. If you ever wondered what the events of Revelation are all about, that's ultimately it. He's bringing all things back to himself. One kingdom, one rulership is going to be amazing. So, nobody can open it, but the angel says, verse 5, Do not weep. Behold, look. 
The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scrolls and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. Now, this has not yet happened, friend. This has not transpired, but I believe that that day is coming very quickly. I believe that the return of Jesus is very soon. He's coming back for his sons and his daughters, and he's about to open those seals. But here's what I want you to understand. There is a widespread revelation. The seven spirits of God going out into the earth. I believe this is happening right now. The spirit of God, and what is the message? It is the message of the lion of the tribe of Judah, and the lamb that was slain. I know I've had you guys standing for a minute. I was reading in Nehemiah, they stood for a six-hour service. So I don't feel bad for having you stand for four minutes. Uh, I believe this is what the Lord is doing. We've had revivals in times past. A reviving of the gifts of the Spirit, a reviving of prophecy, a reviving of healing, a reviving of worship. We saw in the Reformations a reviving of the reverence of the Word of God, and everybody can read it. I believe what God is going to do just before He returns is going to be a revelation of Jesus, the Lamb that was slain, and the soon coming King, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. I want to read one more verse, one more verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you'll go there, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 16. So how do we understand this for our own lives and our own purpose? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 16 says this, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion? Everyone say communion. It is, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? And the bread which we break, is it not the communion, say communion, the communion of the body of Christ? For though we are many, we are, are uh, for though many are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Wow. Lord, I, I ask you to speak to us today. Open your word to our hearts and to our lives. God, I pray for even now a great anointing to rest upon each and every one of us within the sound of, your, of my voice, almighty God, that you would release the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you would unfold. Come on, church, can we just pray for an anointing to be released right now? God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that perceives what your spirit is speaking in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray an anointing would rest upon me that with authority under the unction of your spirit I would preach as I ought to. And right now I resist, I rebuke the hand of the enemy. He would seek to divide, to devour, to distort, to confuse your word as it comes forward. Lord, give us liberty in receiving your word today. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Yes, we are going to receive communion. We did this last week. We were doing this for a season on Thursday nights uh, over the last month. And um, I, I, I shared a lot last week, and so I won't reshare all of those things. But 
Uh, the Lord put it in my heart at the beginning of the year in a time of fasting and prayer. I had a powerful dream where I was sharing with a pastor about the revival God was bringing through the sharing of communion. And it caused me to deep dive into a study. I began to pray. I began to study and dig into this thing. And, and I've been so encouraged because, uh, you know, I've, I've seen so many throughout the body of Christ whom the Lord is speaking to about the value and the weight of the Lord's Supper and how the Lord desires to bring revelation and wisdom. There are things that have been practiced for thousands of years that we as the Protestant church have dropped in the last hundred years. Why? Some things are wrong. I talked about transubstantiation last week. We don't believe in transubstantiation. No, I don't believe that the, the bread and the juice literally transform into the body and blood of Jesus. I do not believe that. Does Pastor Jacob believe that? Okay, just make sure that you get it. But I do believe that this is more than a symbol. It's more than remembrance. Jesus said this is my body. This is my blood. Do this. We shared last week about how we, when we break the body and we share in the cup, we koinonia, we commune with God. Everybody say koinonia. Koinonia means three different things. First of all, it means union. My wife and I share union in marriage. In fact, the Bible uses koinonia to describe marriage on a number of occasions. Now, how many know I have symbols that represent my marriage, but my marriage is more than a symbol? I have pictures and memories of when I married my wife, but my, my marriage is more than remembrance. There is a Union, there is a fellowship. My wife and I, we connect in heart. We connect in body. We connect in mind on every level. We have fellowship. We connect. We commune one with another. That's union. In the very same way, the Bible uses the word communion, koinonia, union to describe what we can experience as we receive the Lord's Supper. So this is not just a symbol this is not just remembrance. There's power in the receiving of the Lord's Supper. Are you trekking with me so far? I covered all of this last week. Now today, there's a second definition for koinonia, and it's this. Koinonia can be translated common. Common. Um, it doesn't mean that it's of little value or significance. It doesn't mean that it's normal or, you know, unprofound. No. In fact, what it means is what we have in common. You understand, there are things that, like, like we can share testimonies, and I do this. Every time I talk about my background, how God delivered me from the world of drug addiction, I almost always have somebody come up to me after the service and say, God delivered me from drug addiction too. And there's almost an instant connection like, wow, you too? Oh, me too. God did that for me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You hear somebody uh, give a healing testimony. God restored my marriage. God did a wonderful work in my emotions. And you hear those testimonies and you're like, wow, God did that for me too. Oh, God did that for my wife or my son. And, and we get excited when we hear. 
This is part of what the message of communion is, what we have in common. I've entitled the message today, The Unity of Communion. The Unity of Communion. I believe this is a key to power. I believe it's a key to miracles. And I believe with all of my heart that the world is looking for this, friend. How many of you know the Bible provides answers for things that the world is looking for? Right now we've got all this confusion over, well, what is a woman and what is a woman's rights? Well, the Bible has a lot to say about the role of women. In fact, we as a church, uh, you'll notice we had some women singing on stage today. And uh, praise God, I believe in women preachers. I believe in women prophets. There is even an account in, in the Bible of a woman apostle. Wow. Yeah, that's right. God can use women. And the Bible believes in that. And and we believe in that as a church. And if you don't believe that, well, that's fine. I'm going to send you to a woman and have her explain it to you. And um, no, but we really do. And our pastor believes, our senior pastor, Dr. Morocco, you saw in a video earlier. We believe in that. You know, but we want, you know, there's this whole thing out there right now where it's like, I want women's rights and we need equality and pay. And, and I believe in that. Um, but at the same time, it's like there's all this commu- confusion where it's like, well, I'm a man, but I feel like a woman. And so uh, I'm going to go dominate everybody in the swimming pool. Right? You, you saw the... What was that uh, thing with the Olympics? It was, was it the Olympics? It was something like that. Anyway, this guy who is like, you know, terrible when it comes to men's competition, but he goes and dominates all the women. Do you see anything wrong with this picture? It's like uh, we want to honor and esteem women, uh, but at the same time we're going to let this man go and it just doesn't make sense. The Bible provides truth and solutions for something. Let, let me give you one that's maybe a little more relatable, okay? If uh, uh, there is an idea in Scripture, do uh, you know that like we didn't invent racism? Like, this is something that just came up in the last few years. Um, I mean, reading Nehemiah, you read about the warfare between the Persians and the children of Israel. You read in the book of Romans about the division between the Greeks and the Jews. I'm reading in Ephesus about all the division between the circumcised and the uncircumcised. And there's all of these differences based on the color of your skin, where you live, where you're raised. And I'm just going to tell you, church, the solution is not, well, I'm just colorblind. I don't see color. Friend, you see color. I see that you're Asian, you're Howley, you're brown. And so I, 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 you see it, you see it, and let's not be ignorant. The Bible actually celebrates. You notice that we highlight the hula ministry in. Well, that's a cultural thing that we're believing for God to redeem and to minister to. There's power in it. Now you you understand. So you you can look all throughout Scripture. And you'll see that they celebrate different moments where, where the Jews would do this and they would honor these things that, that the Greeks would do. And there's all different kinds of moments like this. And friend, I mean, I'm a, I'm a racial mutt, I'll just tell you. I'm a racial mutt. I would go over for family dinner at my grandparents' house. My grandparents are predominantly German. They are cold, they are stoic, and they are hilarious. I mean, it's this dry humor. Have you ever met somebody like this? It's this European humor. They'll say something with a straight face, but it is so funny, it's so dry. Some people just don't get it. 
They don't get it. And that's fine. Um, my wife, I mean, when she first started coming over for our family dinners, she's just like, what in the world is this? She just she couldn't even wrap her head around it. Now, my dad's side of the family is all Mexican. And, you know, Mexicans, when they get together for parties and stuff, I mean, they break out the accordions and they break out the... Um, yeah, all this kind of stuff. You know, we were sitting in a Mexican restaurant the other day, and there was like accordions and the classical guitar. You know, this kind of stuff. And, um, and I'm like, I feel like I need to move right now. There was something inside of me. And I just felt like, you know, it's time for the quinceanera. And uh, I, I don't know. There's just something. If you've ever had dinner with a group of African Americans, so my brother's side of the family is all black. And we'd go over there. I just felt you guys like, where are you going with this, Pastor Jacob? Listen, friend, we need to not tiptoe around these things. Uh, it's okay. We are different. And it's wonderful because I will say this, you will never laugh harder in your life than sitting around a table with African Americans. They are funnier than anybody. I'm sorry. You're not funny. They're funny. There is diversity. There's differences in Asians. Minister Adele is Japanese. And I've been to Minister Adele's house. It is spotless. It is organized. I'm pretty sure she had nameplates for where we were to sit for breakfast. Uh, when I go to your Filipino house for dinner, it is not the same. I smell the fish from outside. Praise God. I married a Filipino. I understand this, man. But you will never eat better in your life. Oh, my goodness. The Coscaron. Am I going over the line? Coscaron. Oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, it, it is wonderful. They make Ponset. You can try and make Ponset. In fact, I've had Howley people bring Ponset to potlucks. It is not the same as when Filipino auntie made. And if you ever go to a Filipino party, you know what my favorite part is? I, I go eat with Japanese and I'm hungry when it's all said. Look how skinny Minister Adele is. But if you have ever been to a Filipino dinner, how many know you never leave empty-handed? They'll take out the whole, like, turkey tray, right? Like the, 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 the metal, what do they call that? The foil pan. They'll take out the foil pan, and they will pile it with food and hand it to you. You're leaving with a whole foil pan. I mean, it's food for weeks after you leave Filipino dinner. We had Thanksgiving one year with Dr. Morocco. Italian. You ever been to an Italian family's dinner? This was, he warned us before we went over there. Now, in Italian households, we don't eat until we're full. We eat until we're tired. Wow. And sure enough, I mean, I, I barely threw half of my plate, but these guys were still going. And, uh, and it's wonderful. In fact, I, I shared with the ser first service, I, I tried doing this keto thing. I'm trying to temple maintenance, right? I, I know I'm the church of the Lord. I don't want to be a mega church, so I'm trying to take care of myself. And, uh, and so Michael Kitchen was my accountability partner. He's been in keto for a while. And, uh, and, and I was doing good for like two weeks. He'd send me text messages, Pastor Jacob, you're not lusting after bread or sweets, are you? And uh, uh, I was tempted today, but I repent, you know. And I, uh, but I, I, Italian food killed me. I just, we had, in fact, you know what it was? Oh, okay, let me give you another. I'm only now discovering Russian bread. 
Have you ever been to Europe? Their bread, you don't know how to make bread. They know how to make bread. I'm just telling you. And that killed me. We had some people from our Slavic ministry bring us bread and uh, cinnamon rolls. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I know I'm making you hungry, aren't we? Um, it was amazing. You say, what in the world are you talking about, Pastor Jacob? Well, here's, here's the beautiful thing. The Bible does not encourage us to, to overlook or to ignore the differences that we have. In fact, there is one thing that is a universal unifier between all mankind that is on the planet, Christian or otherwise. We all have one thing in common, sin. Every one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's a great equalizer. It doesn't matter what skin color you are. doesn't matter if you're wealthy or poor. doesn't matter if you come from a big family or a small family. You're adopted or whatever. Whatever the situation, it's the great equalizer. And on the same token, there is something that unifies every man, woman, and child who has surrendered their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are made one new man. By the blood of Jesus. One new, everybody say, one new man. That's right. You are one new man. And some of you ladies are, no, I'm one new woman. No, the Bible says you're one new man. But it's fair because men of God, you are also the bride of Christ. So it's give and take, right? So I get to be a bride. You get to be one new man. Hallelujah. In fact, I... I heard one pastor say he thinks that the reason Jesus has delayed his coming is because he's picturing me in my wedding dress. We have this in common. Everyone say common. We have the blood of Jesus that although we're different, we're all gifted differently, we all have different backgrounds. The blood of Jesus unites each and every single one of us. In fact, there's a beautiful passage. I'm, I'm doing this out of order for those who are tracking my notes and all of that. But I want you to turn with me and look at the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 in verse 11. Ephesians chapter 2 in verse 11. Oh, this is amazing.
to one person. When in his body, on the cross, he broke the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of the law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility towards each other was put to death. Do you get it? The blood is what has allowed us to come near to God. It has brought peace and reconciliation between us and God. But this bread in His body, the Bible said, He tore down the wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile. He tore down the wall of division that used to exist between us. So whether you're of a different ethnic group or whether you're of a different religious background, doesn't matter. Some of you were raised some, you know, Mormon or Catholic or you were raised some other, uh, you know, Buddhist or, or whatever. You know, I was an atheist. But we have all been made one through the blood of Jesus. But the bread is a picture of that wall of hostility between us that has been broken. Now, here's what's amazing. Worship team, could you come? I'm, I'm drawing this to a close. Now, here's what's amazing. There's a number of sacrifices. I gave you all the notes in the Bible, uh, in the Bible app talking about how there were different types of offerings that were given. Now, what was interesting is in this passage, 1 Corinthians 10, 18, it's talking about communion, but it says that the people of Israel were united by eating the sacrifices at the altar. They were united by eating the sacrifices at the altar. That's 1 Corinthians 10, 18. Now, what's interesting is of the various sacrifices that are given in the Bible, there's only one that you were allowed to eat. There was an offering that they would bring, a burnt offering. They would burn the entire thing. And it was simply an act of worship towards God. And the Bible says our lives today are actually a living sacrifice and that we, in the way we love and serve and worship, we love one another, it's a sweet-smelling aroma to God. You are a burnt offering, whether you know it or not, friend. Your life. Everything all in. The Bible talks about grain offerings. This is when they would return their tithe. They would bring an offering. We still do that today, primarily through finance. We bring in things as we honor and worship the Lord through our offerings. There was also what they call guilt and sin offerings. Leviticus 4 and 5 describes this. They would sacrifice a bull. In fact, we're right now in the time of year what they call Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. One time a year, they would bring a bull unblemished. They would shed its blood and they would burn it. They would also bring in two goats into the presence of God. One, they would shed its blood and offer it as a burnt offering. But a second, they would pronounce the sin of the entire nation over that goat and they would banish it in the wilderness. This is what they called the scapegoat. 
They put the blame on the goat and they would release it. If you've ever blamed somebody, let them take the fall, scapegoat, that comes from the Bible. Think about Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God, shed his blood to atone for our sins. They pronounced judgment upon him and they took him outside of the city. Very same thing. Where they crucified him, he died bearing our guilt, bearing our shame. Jesus has paid the full price. He has made the righteous requirement that the law required in order for our sins to be forgiven, for us to be brought into peace with God. So there's burnt offerings, grain offerings, sin offerings. But there was another offering that you can read about in the Old Testament. This is so cool. There was an offering they call a peace offering. And they would come, and usually they would offer an animal. But this was the only offering of the four offerings that you would eat. They would shed blood. They would burn certain parts of it, the fat and certain organs. But then they would actually share the meal one with another. They would eat of the body. And they would take a single loaf of bread. Hear me on this. This, this applies to us. They would take a single loaf of bread and they would pass it between one another. It's what the Bible calls the passing of peace. So when 1 Corinthians, it's talking about communion, talks about how the people had unity when they shared of one loaf before the altar, this is what they're talking about. This is why I've actually changed the way that we do communion. I don't hand it out at the door. I don't have it waiting on your seat. No, I actually want you to pass the elements one to another because it's a prophetic act. We're saying, you too. I have peace with God and so do you. And so do you. Last week I challenged us to really begin to look to the Lord and Jesus, what have you done and what are you still willing to do? It's not just remembrance, but it's power. But this week, We'll always do that. I want you to always keep that in your heart. But I also want you to consider, as we look across the room, what has God done for that person? God was gracious to me. And you too. And you. God did a great work for you. You understand what I'm saying. Can I get my... I've got a few people I've prepared to share testimonies, and I want you to come. In fact, ushers, I want you to come as well right now. And we're going to begin the passing of peace. If my ushers will come, and we're going to, and I want you, you're going to pass this. And as we pass this, I want you to consider God was gracious to me, and God's been gracious to you. As they begin to, to serve you, I want you to, you can double task. I'll tell you when we're going to share of this together. But are you guys going to share together one at a time? So um, the reason we're doing this is I want you to hear what God has done on behalf of some others today. You're going to hear their testimony, and it may cause you to remember, wow, me too. God did that for me. Or maybe you're here and you're believing God to do something that he has not yet done. And you say, God, if you could do it for them, you could do it for me. 
So, Rachel, come, and I want you to tell us, what does, what does the body of Jesus mean to you? What has Jesus done, and what, is, what does this mean to you today? Oh, you're holding it. Okay, okay. Jesus is our provider. He's moving here from Maui has been a faith step um, in provision and finances. Sorry, I'm a little nervous. Um, uh, Every day we're just wondering, God, how are we going to make it here? You know, we're so used to our families blessing us on Maui. And over here, it's just my sister and, and my brother-in-law as family. And so we're trusting God in the season of how are you going to provide for us with lunch or financial, gas, you know, anything. But ever since moving here, we've just been trusting and trusting God just for everyday provision. And I just want to say we are on this giving journey. In 2017, um, we were on the top givers, the 120 top givers of King's Cathedral. And every year we ask God, we want to give big every year. And Dr. Morocco always outgives us. And I think it's safe to share that we, ever since we made that statement of giving bigger each year, We've always seen blessings. So one year, oh, the year we said that we want to do that, give bigger each year, we want a car for free. Wow. Uh, we want a, That was in 2020, yeah. Uh, we want a car for free. We got a flat screen TV, 70-inch TV for free. Um, just our rent's gotten paid for, and God's just providing for us, and, and that's how he's showing us his body for us. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Give us this day our daily bread. It's a picture of God's provision. That's amazing. Can anybody say, God's been faithful over me and my finances too? Wow, wow. Yeah, me too. Dylan, what does the body of Jesus mean to you? I've, I've cried like a hundred times already this morning thinking about how to give God glory for this, but he's delivered me. The body of Christ means deliverance to me, and I wish I could explain to you what my mind was like before Christ. Since I was a boy, I struggled with homosexuality and I was stuck in it. I really felt like there was no way out. And so it was a part of my marriage. It was a part of ministry. And I led a double life. And I'm just so thankful. <laughs> I am thankful for the person of Jesus. The presence of God. I'm thankful that he pursued me even when I turned away from him. And he brought me deliverance. Yeah. Took me out of that. I mean, guys, my mind was so backwards. And I can look back at it and go, whoa, God. Thank you for saving me from wasting my life, chasing things that were empty, counterfeit, and would never truly fulfill me. And today I have the most beautiful woman as my wife. I have three beautiful children to think that I could have been stuck in that sin, that cycle of sin, and not know the fulfillment that I have today. Jesus, I, I can't take communion the same. When I break that bread, I know he's brought me deliverance and a new life. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Has anybody been delivered? God has set me free. Oh, my goodness. That's my story. Wow. I want you to take and pull back that top layer. 
This is the bread. Somebody passed you this bread. It's a passing of peace. We are now at peace with God. And we have peace. We have unity one with another. We hear these testimonies. God, if you could do that for them, you could do that for me. Would you take and we break this bread just as Jesus did the night he was betrayed. The Bible says he broke the bread and he passed it. He says, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So Jesus, we remember your sacrifice. I thank you, Lord. Your word says that you would give us our daily bread. You'd provide for us. Your word says that in that table of presence, Lord, there was the bread of presence. It represents the person of you, Jesus. You're with us. You are the living bread, your word says. Jesus, we remember that deliverance, that feast of unleavened bread, that moment where they celebrated how you delivered captives from Egypt. We still do that today. and We celebrate deliverance. God, we thank you for all that you've done and all that you are doing. And I believe, God, if you could do this in the Andreon family, you can do this for us as well. So, Lord, we thank you. We worship and honor you. But we also receive unto ourselves the accomplished work of Jesus through your broken body. Bless it as we take it now. In Jesus' name, amen. You may take the cup. Or the bread, rather. Now, I want you to hear some testimonies about the blood of Jesus before we share in the cup. Makani, would you uh, share with us for a moment what what does the blood of Jesus mean to you? What has God done for you? Well, I was stuck in sin for years, and before I found this church, all I did was drink alcohol, smoke marijuana, I did cocaine, and I, I struggled with years of just addiction, so... When I came here, I felt my mindset change, and I felt like deliverance, and God um, saved my marriage, you know, and he blessed me with twins, so God, yeah, God is good. He, he did a work in my life. He transformed me, and from negative to positive now, so I'm happy. Before, I would, I would hide in the back, and I wouldn't even want to praise, but now I can praise God in the front row, so... That's what the blood means to me. He, he saved my life. And, uh, That's so awesome. So awesome. Can anybody say, me too? Me too? Wow. Miss Yunja, come. Tell us, what does the blood of Jesus mean to you? Well, um, I, I was born again on um, June 1st, 1982. When I met the Lord, God God's presence was so strong, and uh, He gave all my, He forgave all my sins, and He cleansed me, and He made me brand new from the inside by the blood of Jesus, and experienced such a freedom and joy and peace. Then I made a decision to follow Jesus all the way of my life, and the blood of Jesus is everything to me. He's my life and he's my healer. He's my peace and he's my rock. And three years ago, I had a diagnosis of a primary CNS lymphoma and treated. And that 
but it came back again this year. The peeps of cycle of chemotherapy wasn't working. It is not successful. But so the, the doctor told me that you need radiation therapy. And so I went through 25 times uh, treatment of radiation therapy when I was going through the intense treatment. The words coming out from my mouth. Lord, you are so good. You are awesome God. Regardless of the any situation. Korean. 하나님 멋지신 분이십니다. And then I said to God, and you will show me your goodness to me. Yes, he did. My brain MRI said, no more signs of CNS lymphoma, remission. He is awesome. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, my goodness. You know, God can cure lymphoma. Oh, my goodness. I'm so stirred. I'm so moved today, church. How many of you say God has been faithful to you? He's healed your body. He's restored you. Oh, my goodness. Me too. Me too. I want you to take and peel back this next layer. This is the blood that unites us, friend. We have peace with God. We have peace one with another. One new person. Jesus, I thank you for your shed blood. It's the blood of a new covenant that you've made with all of us. All who would receive. God, I'm asking that you would minister for those who have maybe never experienced the freedom Makani talked about, the forgiveness. Maybe there's those who need your healing power through your shed blood. By your stripes we were healed. Maybe we need emotional or physical healing. Maybe there's cancer situations here just as we heard the testimony with Hyunja. And I know you're able. You are faithful. And as real as this cup is, your sacrifice was real. You shed real blood as real as this juice is that we hold in our hands. Thank you, Jesus. I want to lead us in a declaration just before we take of the cup. I never want to presume that everybody within the sound of my voice is right with the Lord. But the Bible says that if we call on the name of the Lord, we'll be saved. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart He was raised from the dead, we will be born again. So I want to lead us in a simple declaration simply asking the Lord to cleanse us and to make us new. Would you repeat this with me? Pray, dear Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me, wash me, cleanse me by your blood, make me brand new. I acknowledge my sin, but I thank you 
You died for my sin. You carried my guilt. And you gave me what I would never deserve. What I could never earn. A new life. Grace. Mercy. Forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Be my very best friend. May I receive all that you have for me. That which you've provided through the shedding of your blood. In Jesus' name. You may take the cup. Anybody feel the peace of God? It's the passing of peace. Look at your neighbor and say, you too? Yeah. Our ushers are coming now, but if you can, could, can I ask you to stand right now all across the room? Wow. One new man in Christ. That's what we are. That's what we are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I ask you to lift your hands all across this room? I want to speak a blessing over you. Today, I speak the blessing of God over you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As Abraham was blessed in every way, may God bless you in every detail of your life. As God blessed Jacob, changing his name to Israel, may your name Christian cause you to be fruitful and multiply in all you set your hands to do. When you're tempted and tried, may you come forth victoriously just as Job, resulting in twice as much as you had before. As you raise your children in the admonition of the Lord, may they in turn grow up godly, bringing honor to your family name. When you honor God with your tithe, may financial and material blessing run you down and overtake you in every area. May the devourer be rebuked and annihilated while others rise up and call you blessed. As you wait on the Lord, obey His word and seek Him above all else. May the blessing of strength, courage, protection, and favor be your reward. May the Lord watch over and guard your going out and your coming in. King's Corner, may the Lord bless you. May He keep you. May He shine His light upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. I bless you in the name of the Father, in the name of Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.